Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, uh, let me ask you what was asked of you in your Sunday school class this morning if you did this passage. Um, don't you love it when you have something all planned out and something major changes those plans? Isn't that just great? Generally not. Um, we have a, a number of, of examples uh, of that in our lives, of course, uh, but some that really stand out to me uh, was when we first started our foster to adopt process in 2012. We, we got certified around Christmas of 2012, and then we began that process in the winter of 2013. February uh, that, month, or that year, we had our first placement, uh, two little girls, uh, 18 months and eight months old, and we knew our, our agency. In Texas, it's a little different. You can work through an agency that works with the foster care system. Um, our agency knew what we were looking for. We were looking to adopt, uh, not just foster. And we got these two precious little girls, and there was, it was an emergency placement, which means they were removing them in just a few hours. They had to have a home for them to go to. Everything on our list fit, so they placed them with us. And we found out when they brought the two little girls to us that, oh, by the way, they're not staying. There's a grandmother in another state, and we've already begun the process of moving them to that grandmother. It'll be a couple of weeks. Okay, we can do this for a couple of weeks. Four and a half months later, uh, they finally finished that process. And you want to talk about heartbreak. Strapping those two little ones. It's been five years. That's crazy. Strapping those two little ones into their car seats for the last time. That was an unplanned event. Uh, did not want to do that. That, that was crushing. That was June. It was June because we were doing Bible school at the time. Uh, then in uh, September, we, we took a little break. In September, we got a phone call about a, a baby named Roman. Uh, infant, uh, don't know if he was newborn, don't remember all the details. Uh, they said it's going to be a few weeks before he's uh, available. He was, uh, they were in the process, but everything looked adoption for him. It, it, was, it looked like it was going to work out okay. Um, so we said, sure, yes, put our name on the list. There's no guarantee agency and the state together choose what family the child goes to so you're just saying you're willing is all you're doing at that point so we said we were willing um, they they have a kind of a scale of uh, how likely that child is to be adopted um, and he was on the very likely end of the scale so we said yes put our name down the next day uh, same day we got a phone call about a baby named a baby boy named Ivan. Said, "Hey, we've got uh, 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 another child that's uh, on the list. Would you be interested?" And we said, "Sure." Um, put us down for that because we didn't know if what's going to work out and what's not. Well, that later on that day, we got a call about the second baby boy. Didn't work out. Another family was chosen. Oh well, we're still on the list for Roman, so it'll be fine. All right. So we go to bed that night. Next morning, we get a phone call about baby boy number two, Ivan. It said, uh, the 
family that was chosen decided they didn't want the child. They, they, they didn't want to, I don't remember what the reasons were. They just decided they didn't. You're the number two choice. Would you, uh, would, would you take it? And you have to get in this afternoon. He's being released from the hospital. Oh, well, I guess. Let me, let me go ask Etta. Let me go ask my wife. In my brain, I was thinking, they've already told us no, so we've already decided we're not going to get him, so let's go figure out. I'll go ask her if she wanted to. And I said, hey, they're calling us about the ba- baby number two. Do we still want him? Yes, she screamed from the bathroom. I said, oh, oh. Oh, yes, yes, of course we do. I, I, it just didn't click, right? Well, um, we never heard, uh, well, we didn't get chosen for Roman. We never uh, uh, were chosen for him. And we adopted Jace, we changed his name to, nine months later. Now, the, all those events were just, well, they were unplanned. I mean, that's just the nature of the foster care system, adopting from the foster care system in, in Texas especially. I speak only from that perspective. Uh, we just didn't know. And, and, and we, we went, we left, we got ready. Uh, we had a few things to do, go buy some stuff to have a baby in the house again after seven years. Um, and then we went to the hospital and we picked up Jace and, uh, and, and we brought him home. He was two weeks old. A lot of unplanned happenings over the course of those six months. And then, of course, uh, uh, about a year later, uh, they placed uh, Janie Marie with us, and, and we adopted her then about ten months after that. Um, there's so much that goes on in that, uh, in adoption, that, that just they surprise you. And, 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 and you are literally waiting to hear something about maybe a placement. And then we were on the list a bunch of times for a bunch of children, and we just never got selected. So you get your hopes up, and they get dashed. And you get your hopes up, and they get dashed. And then maybe a placement, like our first placement, we have some, and oh, we're going to... No, we're not. And then, and then four and a half months later, you lose them. And it's, it's just a roller coaster of unplanned events. Well, they were unplanned to us, certainly, but they weren't unplanned to God. Uh, every changed plan, every unplanned event in our lives is an opportunity to be used by God. And that's what we see here as we look at the life, at the birth of Jesus here, uh, as Matthew discusses it, more through the perspective of Joseph than of Mary. Read with me uh, verses 18 through 23 of chapter 1. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. So if we remember back to the uh, uh, genealogy from last Sunday... And we ended kind of oddly with Joseph, the husband of Mary, 
and who gave birth to Jesus. We, we changed the whole formula of so-and-so uh, fathered so-and-so. Matthew is now going to explain here in just a couple of verses why he changed the order, why uh, Joseph could be the father but not the father. Uh, that's what he's going to get into here along with some other things. But he begins by telling us in verse 18, giving us a little background here. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. Um, J.R. pointed out in our Sunday school class, and he's exactly right, uh, that, I mean, not that he was wrong any other time, sorry, J.R., but it was, it was a good, uh, good point. Uh, in this verse, Jesus comes first. The, the words, Jesus, uh, of Jesus Christ, the birth came about is how it would be uh, something like that in Greek. Because they put, they wanted the emphasis on Jesus. This isn't about Joseph. Joseph's a player, but this is about Jesus. So Je of Jesus, the birth uh, uh, came about in this way. Again, ruins the formula because in the previous ones, it had been that uh, Isaac fathered Jacob. But now we're saying Jesus is birth came about in this way. So you know this is who we're talking about. And he's telling us uh, now that, okay, Jesus, his birth, Mary had been engaged to Joseph. Now they were engaged, but they were married. But they weren't married, you know? Know what I mean? They, they, engagement at this time was more than just engagement. Uh, I mean, it should be this way today, right? You're engaged, so you're committed, you're faithful, uh, so we kind of assume that, but here it was more than that. Now, if you want to break an engagement, uh, the just throws the ring back in the guy's face, you know, and the engagement's off, or, uh, you know, the guy quits making payments and they repossess whatever, you know, however you want to break the engagement, you can do it fairly easily. This, at this point, you couldn't do that. It was, cons they were considered married uh, and if they broke the engagement, it was considered a divorce. Two things could end in engagement, divorce and death, and that was it. So they weren't married married, but they were married as far as the law was concerned. And then it was discovered before they came together that Mary was pregnant. They had uh, an unplanned pregnancy, and that's what we're talking about this morning, this unplanned pregnancy. Caught them by surprise. Uh, it, it's likely that uh, based on the timeline and Joseph's understanding and, and how they would have discovered that she was pregnant, it, she probably would have had to have been showing uh, for everybody to realize what was going on. So this may have been after she had gone to visit Elizabeth. Uh, she wasn't showing, best we can tell, when she went to see Elizabeth. It was John the Baptist's response to Mary's pregnancy that let Elizabeth know, oh, you're pregnant, and you've got Jesus, you've got the Lord in you. So uh, she's come back from that trip, kind of everybody realizes it. Joseph, it was found that, uh, it was discovered that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit causes this conception. Now, uh, if you, I love that we have done the case for Christmas on a night, and then our Sunday school lesson, half of us, a third of us, whatever, is on this passage too, because God is trying, anytime, you know, if, if, if your mother told you something three times, 
Did that mean just ignore it? Right? No. If she told you three times, four times, five times, that meant do it. There was importance in what, it was, what she was saying. If, if God is telling us something as a church three and four times here in a span of two or three weeks, do y'all think we ought to listen? I, I do. I think we ought to listen. So we, we see that the Holy Spirit causes this conception, and, and, and there were, uh, they, there's some comparison. The skeptics would say, oh, the, the Greek myths had the same sort of stories. Well, n- no. No, they had Greek gods taking the form of a human and in most cases raping a woman and the product being uh, a hero, half God, half man, something like Hercules. No Holy Spirit, no, uh, no Holy Spirit conception, nothing like uh, what we might envision here of the Holy Spirit enveloping Mary somehow uh, a, 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 the, the, the spirit falling on her in a loving manner God using her and, and here just this week uh, I don't know if you were paying attention to the, some of the news outlets that may have reported it some theologian or pastor said that this was a form of rape because Mary didn't give her consent well one God can do what he wants to two yes she did in Luke, let it be unto me as you have said. Mary consented. Mary said, God, whatever you want to do, whatever, however you want to use me as a vessel for your will, do it. So we have this Holy Spirit conception that is intentionally different from uh, the Greek stories. Mary was likely 12, 13 years old. That was about the age that they were betrothed. So when they finally would get married, officially, she would have been 13 or 14. Uh, Most likely, Joseph was 16 to 18. Some folks say, well, he was probably in his 30s. He might have been a widower. And the only reason they say that is because we just don't hear anything about him after Jesus was 12 years old. They're speculating that he died of old age. Pure speculation. We have no idea. Most likely, he was 16 to 18 years old. So this was a young couple starting out. And here, Matthew mentions for the first time the Holy Spirit. Of course, it won't be his last time. But right here at the beginning, uh, he, he, he's given us the genealogy. He's prepared us for this birth of the Christ. And he says, and right here, at this moment, at this time, the Holy Spirit is working to bring about the Son. The third person of the Trinity is doing the work of the first person of the Trinity to incarnate the second person of the Trinity on earth through Mary. And that's how he explains how Joseph was the father and not the father. But then he goes on to tell us about Joseph, verse 19. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man. That word righteous we think of as he does the right things, and and that's certainly true. But what it meant here was law-abiding. Old Testament law abiding. So when Joseph finds out Mary's pregnant and, and he knows, twerk me, uh, he says, well, as a righteous man, as a law abiding man, I only have one option. I have got to divorce her. 
He was a righteous man. He was going to do what the law said. Now, if he goes back to the Levitical law, he knows this, that the law called for her stoning. Well, the Romans at this time don't allow capital punishment except under the most extreme circumstances. They don't allow the Jews to perform capital punishment. It's not unlikely that in a backwater village like Nazareth, they could have gotten away with it, and nobody really would have questioned it, would have been fine. But it, it wasn't extremely likely that stoning would have happened. But clearly, that was not going to be uh, Joseph's choice, even if given the option. It would have been a public trial. Uh, it would have been out in front of everybody in town for her family and all of her friends to see. It would have been extreme humiliation, even without the death by stoning. And Joseph knew as a law-abiding Jew, that's what he needed to do. As a righteous, law-abiding man, that's what he should do. But he wasn't just righteous. Joseph wasn't just law-abiding. If we move forward in the Gospels, we'll see what law-abiding, what righteousness looks like. It looks like the Pharisees if it's a form of righteousness without compassion, if it's a form of righteousness without love, we get Pharisees. Joseph was no Pharisee. He was righteous, but he was also compassionate. So rather than do what the law explicitly stated, because of Roman law and because, excuse me, because of tradition that had been passed down, it was possible for him then not to uh, divorce her publicly, but to have just a private divorce with one or two witnesses. They go into somebody's house, they sign a paper or whatever it is, a couple of witnesses, probably Mary's dad, maybe one of Joseph's family members, and say, deal's off, there's no marriage. You still have the stain, but you don't have intentional public humiliation. And that's where Joseph shows his compassion. He's going to do what's right. He's going to confront this apparent sin in the proper manner, as he should. But in confronting the sin, he's going to be as compassionate as possible. Our lesson here from Joseph, I think, is that one can see the sin in someone's actions and still be compassionate concerning the results. Obviously, a stoning of Mary would have been the death of the baby. I mean, that just makes sense, right? You don't have to think far to get there she was still going to have this child. So in putting her away privately and in divorcing her privately, he was showing compassion on his, as soon as he gets the chance, former fiancé, former wife, and to this new little one who will be born. In his mind, the product of sin, but still the result, the product, is worth saving and worth loving and worth having compassion on. That's the man Joseph that we see. In Scripture, he never says a word. Except maybe Luke. Uh, Now, I say that out loud. In Matthew, he never says anything. In this account, he never says anything. Um, Matthew records no no words of him. We, We get to see what's said to him, but he doesn't say it. And yet, we have this picture of Joseph. This man of righteousness, 
and compassion. We could dwell here a long time, uh, but we won't. But keep that image of, of how we should be righteous but compassionate. And let's move on through the scripture. So verse 20, he, he's made his decision. He knows what he's going to do. He's going to put her away privately. He's going to do this private divorce. But verse 20, after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. God shows up. And doesn't God usually show up when we've made our plans? I think oftentimes to uh, laugh at our plans and say, you know what? I, I know what you're thinking, and, and that's good. I mean, there, there was nothing wrong with Joseph's plan. It was both righteous and compassionate. He was being biblical, and he was being biblical. But God shows up and says, Joseph, I've got a different plan for you. Joseph, son of David. And Joseph might have thought, my daddy is not uh, David. My daddy was uh, Jacob. But no, God knew. We knew that the Messiah needed to be. We, he is presented with the fact that, Joseph, you're going to be the dad of this boy. Because you are the son of David. You are in the line the Messiah must come from. Still confusing to him, right? But, but I, didn't, I didn't have any part in this. I, he's not my son. He's Mary's son. And yeah, I know about her lineage too, but, but it, it's not me. My, my son of Davidness doesn't matter. Well, it's, it's going to. But God gets his attention, shows up through the angel, says, Son of David, I'm changing your plans. Maybe change isn't in a good word. Maybe a better word here is that God... His interruption didn't change their plans, it energized their plans. Because I'm going I'm to go out on a, a, a limb guarantee here and say, I guarantee that Joseph and Mary had planned to have kids. When the time's right, uh, when they're married, officially married, gone through the, the ceremony, they had planned to have children. The family was on the agenda so God took that plan and didn't change that plan. He energized that plan. He did something better, far beyond what he could have expected with that plan. I don't know what would have happened in our family had we adopted those two little girls that, that, were, uh, that went with their family. Over the years... Of course, Etta and I have analyzed it from all sorts of different perspectives, and, and we have uh, the ways we have settled it in our hearts and, and those sorts of things, and we can, uh, we can come up with some hypotheticals either direction and how this and that. And, but the reality is we just don't know. But what I do know is that when God changed that plan for those little, two little girls, he energized our plan with a baby boy and a baby girl later on. I didn't get it at the time, and obviously, there's still some real emotion there that, that those two didn't stay. But the fact is, God had better plans in our life. We wanted to do it, right? We were in the foster care system to adopt. And God said, yep, you're doing exactly what I've called you to do. Now let me energize that and do something better that you can't see. That's what he did to Joseph. Joseph, I know you wanted to have kids. I know you wanted to have kids with Mary. 
That was your plan. I'm going to energize that plan, Joseph. You wanted to have a kid? Oh, buddy, I'm going to give you a kid. You, you thought you were going to raise the best carpenter. I'm going to let you raise the savior of the world. If that's not an energized plan, I don't know what is. And God said, let me, let me energize this for you. So, after he considered these things, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Right? Verse 21. She will give birth to a son. Ladies, every one of your daddies was so happy to have you. I'm, I'm going to assume. But there's something about a daddy having a son. It, it, it's just, it's the passing the name on. I mean, there's, there's it's, it, 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 I don't love you less. I don't love my little girl any less than I love my boys. But there's something about passing that name on. And I'm not even talking about inheritance and those sorts of things. In this day and time, they wanted a son because Joseph giving, uh, uh, having a son gave Mary security in her old age when he's gone. He knew that that son would, ha would be able to take care of his mother. That was the plan. That was the way it worked. So it was security for his wife to, to, for them to have a son. So he hears that. You're going to have a son. And he's, it's still running through his head, probably in the midst of this dream, whatever he could think in his, in his dream state. But he's not mine. I mean, I'm glad Mary's going to have a son, and she's, but he's not my child. And if there was any hesitation, we have a comma here in English. She will give birth to a son, comma. This is where he's thinking that he's not mine. The angel says, and you are to name him Jesus. Now, we can skip over that if we're, if we're, careful, if we're not careful. But naming a son, naming a child, is more than just putting a label on it. For Joseph to name this boy was for Joseph to claim this boy. When he goes to the temple eight days later, and they circumcise this boy in the temple, and they have their naming ceremony, when Joseph is the one that stands up, and when the priest says, what will his name be? Joseph says, his name will be Jesus. Oh, so you're the dad. Yes. He was claiming this boy. This, this son that just a few minutes before, a few hours before, maybe in a few days had come up with this plan to put her out, to divorce her quietly, to let her go on her way and raise this child as an illegitimate child, that plan is now out the window. God is saying, you will adopt the baby. And that baby's name became not Jesus. Uh, it would have been in Aramaic, Yeshua, or Joshua, son of Joseph. His last name would have been, not Christ, but Joshua bar Joseph. Everybody growing up with Jesus would have known Joseph's your daddy. 
And all the shame that could have come with that it was no small uh, 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 gesture on Joseph's part. What Joseph is saying is, in effect, I got her pregnant. Now, they may tell the story, it was the Holy Spirit. It was, it was God doing this through her, using her as a vessel for his will. All the stories wouldn't have mattered. Most of the people would have just naturally assumed, well, he's, he's the one that got her pregnant. And if they're in Bethlehem or Jerusalem, nobody's asking any questions. But back home in Nazareth, everybody knows she pregnant when she came back from Elizabeth's house. So if Joseph is saying... It's Jesus bar Joseph. Must have been him before she left. Joseph was a good man, y'all. To take on that responsibility, to be used by the Holy Spirit, to be used by the Lord, to do his will. God interrupted his plan. But God energized that plan for a family. Verses 22 through 23, this is probably Matthew explaining what, uh, giving a, a commentary to what just happened. So uh, the angel tells Joseph, this is how it's going to be. Uh, Joseph adopts, uh, I think I talked about this last week. So now jo- Jesus has the genetic lineage found in, excuse me, found in Luke through Mary of David's ancestry. And now Joseph, who also contains the royal line, uh, or as part of the royal line of David, he adopts this child. So Jesus is genetically David's, and he is legally David's. He is dually David's ancestor, David's successor. So now he has two legal rights to the throne that he will... Uh, he will uh, uh, sit in forever. But Matthew's going to say, now all this though, verse 22, all this took place to bring about, to, to fulfill, and he uses this formula a lot, but he uses this formula, all this took place to fulfill or something like that, five times in just the birth narrative, and then he uses it five or six times in the whole rest of the gospel. So Matthew is preparing us. This is all what God was going to do from the beginning. Though God was changing and energizing Joseph and Mary's plans, it was God's plan all along. And and that's just hard for us to grasp. When we, when we have our plan and we think our plan is good and it works for us really well and, and we don't see any uh, on our own part, we don't see evil motives, desires, intents, there's nothing sinful about it, it's, it's, it's a good plan and God comes in and says, yes, but that's not the plan right now. Well, why? What was wrong with that plan? And, and the answer most of the time is nothing. Nothing was wrong with that plan. God just had a better plan. We questioned why the phrase we use is why we lost those two little girls. I mean, especially in July and August of 2013. Over and over and over again. 
and we don't have a good reason. We have the reasons, you know, we, we can explain to you how and why and, and why those were probably even good reasons. But our plan was good too, God. We'd have been a great family for them. Why? Why? God had a better plan. For whatever reason, and we're more than happy with it now, so don't get me wrong on this. For whatever reason, Jason and Janie Marie were that better plan. And you know what? We may never know what the better plan was. He may never send the angel to say, well, Jace is going to be, and Janie Marie is going to be, and that's why you two had to raise these two. We're just doing it. They're just ours. And that's what he tells Joseph. That's what Matthew explains. This was all part of God's plan. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, we can discuss, uh, and we will briefly, this prophecy. It's uh, uh, Isaiah seven fourteen. Is what it goes back to, and it says the virgin will conceive. And briefly, we can talk about what that uh, prophecy was. Ahaz, an evil king, just knew his days were done, and uh, he, he asked for a sign to, because Isaiah shows up and says, nope, nope, you're, you're gonna, it's going to last a while longer. The, the, uh, the exile's not coming with you. It's coming later on. And Ahaz, I'm, you know, Isaiah says, just to prove it, God will give you a sign. What sign do you want? This was in your Sunday school lesson probably last week, uh, if you do the same thing our class did. I'm not going to ask for a sign. I'm not going to test God, he says. Well, what he means is whatever. That's really what he means. And Isaiah says, well, you know, you you test God with your actions anyway. Now you're going to test him by not testing him? No, here's your sign. A virgin, a young maiden, will conceive and give birth to a son. And before... Uh, and they will name him Emmanuel. And before he's old uh, to take care of himself, you will see God's answer to the problem. That's a very abbreviated uh, version of the prophecy. So Ahaz was looking for a real child, a real child that, that in some way embodied or was actually named Emmanuel. And that's what Isaiah expected as well, that there would be a baby born in the next few months, couple of years, whatever, that would tell Ahaz of the temporal, of the temporary salvation for Israel. When you see this baby, Ahaz, know that God is in control. God is taking care of Israel. He is watching you as king. He is doing the things that he promised he would do way back when. All of these things that are happening, all of your plans, Ahaz, all of your ways of securing Israel, all all of your ways of securing the country, all of your ways of watching out for my people, those are going to be set aside. I am going to watch out for my people. I am going to do things the way I believe they should be done, God is telling Ahaz. And my proof of that is there's going to be a baby born, and you'll know when it happens. Temporary, temporal salvation for Israel. And Isaiah may have had an inkling that there was more to the prophecy. We don't have any real indication, though he continues 
through chapter 9 and chapter 11 to continue to prophesy about the Messiah. So it's actually a pretty good bet that once he got to the end of those prophecies, he began to look back at the things he had written and said and say, oh, wow, there may be more to that baby going to be born than we realize. But Lord, I'm just your, I'm just your spokesperson, so you do it the way you want to. Then we come forward some 700 years. The angel shows up and talks to Joseph. And Matthew explains it by saying, you know that verse, people he's writing to, 40, 50, 60 A.D.? You know that verse in Isaiah that we look at, uh, Isaiah 7, uh, 14? You know what it says, the virgin will conceive, the young maiden will conceive? Boy, they thought it was for Ahaz, didn't they? Oh, it was. God was going to interrupt that plan. God was going to energize this plan for a baby born 700 years ago. Yeah, it meant something. It was great. They saved Israel. But no, God's going to step in, and he's going to do something more and better and beyond what Isaiah thought and Ahaz thought and anybody else at that time thought. And he's going to take that verse, that prophecy, and say, now put it on this child, Joseph, this baby, this boy, not to come for the temporal salvation, temporary salvation of any country, but this baby tells of eternal salvation for the entire world. We're going to talk about that next week. I don't want to get too far ahead. Because verses 24 and 25 are good. They're real good. But Joseph is told... He's coming. He's here. We'll name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Not a military figure, not a knight on a white horse. I mean, he will be one day, but not right now. Not, not triumphal entry. Oh, he'll do that, but not to kick Rome out, but to kick the devil out. Not, not to take over a country, but to take over the world. Not to clean out parliament or congress or a palace, but to clean out our hearts. Joseph, this baby is more than anything anybody has planned on. You've got your plans for a king. <laughs> I'm going to energize that plan, y'all. I'm going to show you a king like you've never seen. You are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There are a lot of things we can take away from this passage. And the clearest, of course, is why we celebrate this season. God with us, Emmanuel, this baby who will die on a cross and he will save his people from their sins. But what else? I think we can rejoice when God changes our plans. Rejoice when things don't work out the way we thought they would or should. I mean, we can begin with the fact that it's his right. When I became a Christian, I became his slave. Let's quickly list all the rights a slave has. We're done. We just do what he says. 
And so when he comes and he says, Mary, this is what I'm doing. Joseph, this is what I'm doing. They say, yes, sir. When he comes to us and says, Michael, this is what I'm doing. We say, yes, sir. We rejoice that he has chosen to come into our plan and say, not a bad thing, Michael. I, I, I get where you're going with this. But if, if Emeril, Ragasi, uh, Emeril Lagasse were still popular, we would say, let me kick it up a notch. Bam! Let me energize that plan. Let me do something for all you young people. That's a chef that was popular about 15 years ago. Um, let me do something with that plan. Let me add energy to that plan. And we should rejoice in that. God, you stepped into my life. Who am I? You changed my direction? You mean you're going to use me for something greater? It's no shock to God. It's no last minute, oh goodness, the, the plane's delayed or the flight's canceled or we got to move you around here. No, it's not like that. It's not like going through uh, intercontinental and trying to get somewhere. It's, it's God having done it all along, having had it planned all along. Take it back to me for just a second. Our time with those two little girls was specifically four and a half months, not the two weeks that we had hoped for after we learned the truth, not for the lifetime that we had hoped for before we learned the truth, but for four and a half months. That was his plan. That was his timing. For us, maybe. For them, possibly. For I don't know why, Guaranteed. But it was God's plan. And he stepped in and said, I'm changing it. I'm energizing it. Now, just briefly, let's make a distinction here. Getting caught in sin is not God changing the plans. And I bring that up because everybody else at the time of Mary and Joseph thought, oh, she's caught in sin. And Joseph thought she's caught in sin. And so his plan is ruined. And God says, no, no, I'm doing something greater. I'm doing something better. It's not sin, it's me. And I'm doing an amazing work in her life and in your life. And that baby's not just a baby. But sometimes we want to say, well, I got caught in sin. This is just God doing something. No, this is you messing up and and getting caught, and now your plans have changed. So let's be careful that we don't equate, uh, that we don't uh, 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 credit to God what is our own sinfulness. We're not Mary and Joseph. We can't say, well, you know, that just happened, so God's going to use it. He, it did, and, and he will, but that does not mean that he is energizing a plan through your sinfulness. He can use your sinfulness, but he does not cause your sinfulness. What we have here is God taking a plan and energizing it, a good plan, a holy plan, and kicking it up a notch. So your unplanned fill-in-the-blank, whatever it might be, your unplanned non-adoption, your unplanned illness, your unplanned death, your unplanned uh, financial struggle, your unplanned 
uh, Enron collapse to go back a few years in history, your, your unplanned, all of these things, those are opportunities. Those may be the very thing God is using to change you and others. God used this unplanned pregnancy to save the world. Do you think he cannot use your unplanned to change you? do something great to energize your plan I believe he can the greatest change in plan you could have is a change in your plan for the rest of your life whatever that is the change in your plan to no longer follow me and follow my will and and follow uh, my desires but to follow Christ and that change in plan comes when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you give your life to Him. You want to see your plans change? Change your future now. Change the plan now. God, I've got time. I'm planning on doing it someday. No, you don't have someday. You have now. You have today. And that's all you have. You're only guaranteed this moment right now. The next moment, you're not guaranteed the next one. I don't want to disrupt church by anybody kicking off, but you're not guaranteed the next moment. One of y'all, boom, 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 just die right now. I'm not telling you to, I'm saying you could. Because we're not guaranteed that moment. You've got your plans. Give your plans to Him. And begin by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, by admitting that you are a sinner and repenting of those sins. God, I know my sinfulness. I know my need for a Savior. Believing that Jesus is your only hope for salvation, that that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and raised three days later, according to the Scriptures, that he took your sin on the cross, that he uh, defeated sin and death, when he rose, and that he is your only way for salvation, and then confirm your devotion for Christ by choosing to follow him, by giving him your heart, by giving him your life, by giving him your plans. I'm saying, I've got some good plans, God, but I want to see what your plans for my life are. So I give my life to you. And you may need to do that for the first time this morning and trust in him for, uh, for salvation. Pray with me. Father, thank you that you interrupt, you energize our plans, that you step in and you do something great, and you do something exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can imagine. And we are sometimes left confused and concerned and worried, but Lord, we know that if we have trusted you, and if we are both righteous and compassionate like Joseph was, if we were... Uh, faithful like Mary was, then you step in and you energize the plan and we can trust that what you're doing is better than what we had planned. God, I pray that you would use our lives in such a way that you would step in and energize our plans. Lord, I pray this morning that you would step in and you would do that that ultimate energize of drawing someone to Jesus Christ this morning. May your Holy Spirit work in a heart today that has never accepted Jesus Christ and draw him or her to you. Do the work this morning 
of saving, we pray. Do the work this morning of changing, we pray. And may you energize our plans at will. And may we be obedient to those plans as we look at the life of Joseph and see that he was as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So God set aside this day for you. He set aside this day to change your plans. To do something different in your life. And it might be that you need to give your life to Jesus for the, for the first time. And there's not a second time. You only trust Jesus once for salvation. But for, you make that first step today. It might be this morning, believer, that you need to give your plans over to him. He, he's been interrupting. He's been doing, keep trying to fix it. Oh God, this got messed up. I'm going to fix this. And he's saying, no, follow me. Do what I've told you. The altar's open for you to, to come to this morning if you want to pray here. If you would like to pray with uh, Jordan to my right. You can pray with me to my left. You have a decision to make. You just want to go to God with it. That's fine. You can come up here as we sing. Whatever you need to do this morning, though, do it. Let God change your plans this morning. Let's stand and let's sing. And let's do business with him today.